0: i'm hannah young and you're listening to the caring economy with toby usnick sponsored by philanthropic impact good morning good afternoon and good evening ladies and gentlemen wherever you are in the world welcome back to the caring economy with me toby usnick well in an era where the world's oceans are facing unprecedented challenges A dedicated team known as Edges of Earth has embarked on a remarkable two year journey across the globe. Their mission, you ask, to shed light on the unsung heroes of ocean conservation, telling the stories of individuals and organizations tirelessly working to protect and restore our oceans. This extraordinary expedition aims to inspire the next generation of ocean advocates by showcasing the unfiltered, gritty and authentic side of conservation efforts. And leading this charge, you ask, who is it? Andy Cross a seasoned marketing and brand strategist with a passion for the blue planet. Welcome to The Caring Economy, Andy Cross.
1: Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here and I I really appreciate you having me.
0: I'm loving you're in Hong Kong today. I'm in New York and I have such fond memories. I used to spend a lot of time there. It's a great city. Is it your first time there?
1: It's my first time. We are dealing with a crazy monsoon as we speak and in the meantime, when we can't dive, we're eating many dumplings. Oh, so it's wonderful. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Well, after the after the interview, I'll I'll make sure to hook you up with some of my pals from Christie's in Hong Kong and elsewhere. But um Andy, we always start out by asking our guests how they got where they got in life, maybe where you're born, how you're raised, how you found your path, and and maybe even some of the pivots you had to make along the way. So give us like a two or three-minute digest of Andy Cross.
1: Sure, sure. So I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, nowhere near an ocean being in my backyard. My my backyard was uh cl- close to the city. So I am your quintessential East Coast city gal. Um I I learned to swim much later in life when I when I moved to Australia and it was one of those things where I just was immersed in books and stories of the ocean. My my father's an incredible storyteller. So Every night before bed, he would tell me of this amazing ocean exploration and all the heroes that he knew of sailing the deep seas. And I i wanted to be like that, but I had no point of reference. So mm. he would tell me these amazing stories, but I didn't really know what he was talking about, but it sounded amazing. He had fish tanks uh, in his office and, and at home, and I was obsessed. My first word was fish. It wasn't mom or dad. Uh, <laughs> it, it was one of those things where I was so in love with something I hardly knew. So I, my parents started taking me to aquariums when I was a child and the obsession grew quite deep, wow. but like many East coast, East coasters, we, we went on a little bit of a different path. I wanted to be a Marine biologist, but I found myself taking a personality test in the seventh grade who said said I'm going to be great in marketing. And that's what I did. Uh, that, that's just how we were brought up to kind of follow a very traditional path, just based on your core skills. Mm-hmm. And there was no questions asked. That's that's just how it went. So mm. I went to school in Washington, DC at the George Washington University. I relentlessly pursued my career. I moved to New York right after college and hit the ground running. Didn't no, didn't look back, didn't think about my childhood, didn't think about my passion at all. Uh, and I loved it. I loved being a New Yorker. I wanted to say I lived in New York for over 10 years and I'm officially a Manhattanite. Mm. So this was a dream, and that that childhood obsession, which was so present, you can ask anyone in my life from from that time, um, it was gone, completely gone. So much so that I might have taken a couple swim classes when I was ten or however old, and didn't pursue that oh. ever again. So my 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 exposure to the ocean was standing in ankle deep water at the Jersey Shore. So it was re- it's really interesting to have gone from really owning my uh, uh, my east coast disc to now <laughs> being on an ocean expedition around the world but but that's how it all got started uh, it's a it's a deep childhood obsession that has now turned into into what I spend my time doing
0: uh, and it sounds like you sort of blended so you did what the tests told you to do sort of marketing brand strategy but then you also were able to blend it with what was subconsciously and unconsciously sort of your passion or your your purpose
1: Yes. So that did not happen overnight. So I was working at a lot of the big agencies, the big marketing firms. I had worked at Ogilvy and Mather on the business development team. I'd worked at Victoria's Secret in the um, creative ops and product development team. Then I moved to a startup agency and helped them um, move from a small company to a mid-sized company. I ran my own business for a while. I worked at a venture capital firm. And then I landed myself at a company called Huge. Huge is a digital and design shop. I came in to help uh, run the global business development team. Big job.
0: Mm. I wasn't
1: prepared for how big that was at the time. (laughs) And in my journeys, I was traveling quite a bit. More, More travel than I'd ever done before. I'd never traveled alone. I'd always traveled with other people. I'd never left cities. I'd always focused on the metropolis where I felt really comfortable. And I was sent to Seattle. And I had a couple of days in Seattle by myself. I, I walked around the city by myself, and it was very felt very different. I ended up getting far into some suburbia where there was beautiful uh, water bodies and beautiful trees, and it just something something changed for me a little bit. And I said, mm-hmm. hmm, maybe there's places outside of Manhattan that are cool. Maybe I could live somebody somewhere else. for seed planted. Then in 2017, I saw a picture of a starving polar bear on a tiny little patch of ice Mm -hmm. and something else happened. I'm spending a lot of time marketing major mega corporations and putting all of this effort in and helping build these incredible brands. And Mm -hmm. I had worked on some Fortune 100 companies at that point. So I'm thinking to myself, this is happening over here. There's other places outside of Manhattan. I love my job. And this is great, but is there something I'm missing? So then what really did it? I took a course at Harvard Business School's online uh, offering. And I th- I had a career coach and I was in a leadership program. And I was starting to really talk to her. Her, name, her name's Diane LePayne. And she was saying to me, Andy, I don't think you're doing what you should be doing. There's something, <laughs> You sound so unhappy. And I was like, me? I'm unhappy? Wait, what? And I really hadn't thought maybe I am not the happiest I could be in Manhattan because my this is all I knew. This is my line of sight. You moved to you moved from Philadelphia to Washington, DC to New York, you are gonna be a success. That's that's what I was told. That's what I believed. Yeah. So I started traveling a lot, a lot more all by myself. And I really started to think, who am I? Which is crazy to start thinking about at 28, 29, 30. But I found that I wasn't alone in that weird, large quest, starting to ask really hard questions. I found myself in Bali for a month, like many other people trying to find their way.
0: Eat, pray, love. (laughs) Eat,
1: pray, love. I decided I wasn't going to leave. So I realized that the piece that was missing, I built this amazing career that I'm so proud of, but I wasn't focusing that effort in the right way. I was focusing the effort on things that many other people are focusing their efforts on. And that's awesome. Those brands need to thrive. It's exciting. It it creates livelihood. But for me, I thought why not take all of the skill that I have and just start focusing it on something that needs more help than I actually even knew I I couldn't even imagine. And so I packed my bags and I moved to Western Australia, Perth, a regional town uh, as far away from Manhattan as I could possibly think to just say, I'm going to, I'm going to make myself as uncomfortable as I can, because if I am this uncomfortable, something's got to change. If I stay doing the things that I'm doing, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm never going to evolve. I'm never going to do the thing I really need to do. I didn't really know what that was at first, uh-huh. um, but I knew I needed to change and, and I'm a rather extreme person. So <laughs> making that jump to, to Perth, Western Australia was as close as I could get to figuring it out at the time.
0: So did you come to that conclusion with your coach, or how, how did you yeah. sort of say, I'm going to connect these dots?
1: It was a lot of time with my coach, a lot of tears on that call. The first call I had with her, I started hysterically crying. She she got in there very deep, showed me some things that were, I, I suppose, surfacing quite obviously to people in the field, but not so much to me. Um, I had started working with her in 2018. By December 2018, I spent the month in Bali traveling around. Um, I spent some time in Singapore. I was highly contemplating Singapore. And by May 2019, I had made the move. So it was starting in 2017 where I was doing some of the mm-hmm. travel, reading a little bit too much news, getting bombarded on my news feed with really negative stuff about the ocean from every single publication I was I had on my feed. Um, my, my world was starting to become quite ocean driven without me even really anticipating it almost as if it were a sign which Mm. i didn't process at the time at all Mm. um but by yeah by may 2019 i had just i literally called every single person i knew and said i got a one-way ticket and everyone was shocked couldn't believe it the most new york girl you could ever possibly imagine was moving to a rural country town in a country she had never been to (laughs) it was it was that quick that quick but I think those years 2017 and 2018 there was just so much happening for me so many so many signs so so much pushing but without me fully knowing what the the true purpose and and um desire was going to be in the long run got my scuba diving ticket in 2018 as part of my global travels and that stemmed from someone asking me do you love the ocean so much why haven't you spent much time in it And again as a 30 year old well i've never thought about this scuba diving what i actually i honestly did not think someone like me could do something like that so i started researching it and studying it like i don't even know how to swim this is crazy but i i started practicing in a in a green pool in manhattan it was like algae green and um i i ended up getting my scuba ticket in 2018 hardly could make it through the the exams and I thought maybe I could be a scuba diver one day and that was that was it
0: there you go well I um I always thought that it would be claustrophobic bizarrely but when Harlan and I were once in um had the good fortune to be in the um Maldives we did get certified and you know you see the oceans there and it's you know you can't miss that opportunity right so when you got to Perth, did you have a job when you landed? Did you go into branding and marketing or did you go into something more oceans related?
1: Yeah, so moving to Australia is not as easy as I thought it would be. I I thought I'm outgoing and I like making friends. This is going to be perfect and I'm going to work at an agency and find my way yet again. And if I'm in Perth, maybe I'll just start stumbling on ocean opportunities or, or things that are more um, connected. That is not what happened at all. I had the hardest first year. It was like, you you took the New Yorker out of New York. And I spent one year just being so lost and confused. Um, it, I found it really hard to make friends. I worked at an agency, I hated it. I was, everything was just going wrong, but I needed that. I needed that that one step to really take mm-hmm. the time to think about who i am and what do i want and why did i do this so yeah. i did not like my job very much but i was tethered to a visa so that's how i got in um, i needed to find other pathways to to make it work and so while i was working at that job i went so hard on the scuba diving so i i worked my job i, I did what i was supposed to do but for the first time in my life my job was not my focus it was the skill and i trained for one year almost almost every single day and went from a non swimmer to an advanced diver, to a rescue diver, all in a matter of a year, almost a year. The rescue diving I ended up having to do a bit later because of COVID and then I got stuck there. So the the borders closed, COVID hit, I was not able to get home and I was officially your newest non shoe wearing Perth resident that was surfing and scuba diving more than working. I couldn't believe it. Um, and that's when the transformation really happened.
0: Wow. Take us to edges of the earth. You're the expedition yeah. lead. What is it? And how did that come about?
1: So I'm locked down in Perth, Western Australia. I now lose my visa due to COVID because at the time you had to be billable 100% or you couldn't work as a, as an expat. So we all dropped down to less than 100% billable hours. I lost my visa. I'm in a country in the honest to God, middle of nowhere. And I just kept saying, I seriously feel like I'm living on the edges of earth. And in that moment, there were two different versions of me, very scared and terrified and excited and ready for the change again. I'm being pushed into such extreme discomfort And I really, honestly, had no choice but to figure this out because it was a matter of survival (laughs) to a degree. Um, I thankfully met my partner during all of this, um, and he is probably one of the most patient and kind people I've ever met. Um, And he would just say to me constantly, "You know what you want to do, just do it. What are you? What are (laughs) you crying about? What are you? Why you? This it doesn't have to be this way." So we. We concepted my company called Wild Palm and Wild Palm is a consultancy that helps impact businesses with their brand of marketing. So mm-hmm. I started to take all of that work from my past life and focus it on companies that are doing something, whether it's ocean related or planet related or even mm-hmm. humankind related, um, to just, to just try it. So I ran that company for three years during the pandemic. I brought on a team. Marla Tomrug is the first employee of Wild Palm and she's our lead uh, photographer and creative director, both there and here. And we just started working on a lot of cool brands. Um, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn and just built up this amazing network in the ocean space and started working with nonprofits and for-profit impact businesses. And it was great, but something was still missing. There, I was getting all of this data and insight from working with these great companies but I just kept missing the mark. And the mark for me was, how do you make people care more about the ocean when they have absolutely no connectivity to it? Someone like me who grew up in a city who with my dad and my, and my mom did not take me to aquariums or give me encyclopedias to read for free mm-hmm. time about fish. How do, you, how do you bridge that gap? How do you explain to people who've never swam a day in their life that you can do it too, because if I can, I'm far from an athlete And now I'm a dive master, professional scuba diver. How can you, how can you do that? What does it take? And then showing people who are on the front lines of ocean conservation, who are living this day in and day out, people who are all ages, all backgrounds, all expertise levels, Mm -hmm. have really similar stories, but are largely untold and start bridging that gap between ocean and people. I was missing that in the work that I was doing. And it just started to become more and more and more of a driving force that by, uh, 2021. I was on a solo trip to Fiji. I was really perfecting my dive skills. I had met a couple people on the front lines of conservation. Their stories were the most amazing things mm. I've ever heard. Like, has anyone talked to you about this? Like, has anyone told the story more broadly? No. Um, I was staying with an indigenous community in, in a homestay. And it was just, that was the moment that the switch flipped for me. I'm already living on the edges of earth. I'm already doing this. Perhaps my story could be helpful to other people, and perhaps there's a lot of other stories that need to be told. So by, 20, by September 2021, I pitched the idea to my partner that, all right, we're taking Wild Palm on the road, and we're going to call it Edge's Birth, and you're coming with me, and we're going to abandon everything we know here and now live uh, in the most remote parts of the world, even more so, living out of a suitcase, and we're going to free dive, surf, and scuba dive all day long with people who are pros. He was like, you're, you're nuts. No, we're not doing that. I like our life in Perth. And um, a year later, we had a plan. And he was he was in and we assembled a team of five and we took off June 2023.
0: And, And what does that look like? I mean, tell us a little bit about Edges of the Earth in terms of the next two years or the next, I guess, you're six months into it and you've got another year and a half.
1: Yes. So we're traveling to some of the most remote destinations that are very big dive centers or have some sort of ocean pull, whether it's you know, a marine aggregation or some sort of science work that's happening or some sort of cultural tie to the ocean that's unique. So all of these places have been deeply planned based on seasons, except we Not missed soon. the mark with, with this one here, Hong Kong. <laughs> here in Hong Kong. Um, but for each location, there's a reason why we're there and the specific time we're going is with purpose. And we have partners in every location. So that includes scientists, ecotour operators, researchers, conservationists, dive masters, or dive experts, um, people who are highly, highly skilled in whatever uh, areas is their, their thing. Mm-hmm. And we are in each location working with those partners to share their specific story. That's, that's how we plan everything we're having around the world. We're starting on the Western Hemisphere, at, or sorry, the Eastern Hemisphere, and we're moving our way to the West for 2024, and then we come back to the East 2025. 2024, end of 2024 and 2025 are really big, uh, intense stories that we don't have the training necessarily quite yet to be able to tackle. So through the whole process, we're furthering our education in diving. We're, we're moving from dive professionals into what I like to classify as the extreme diving. So cave diving, ice diving, altitude diving, um, starting to get really laser focused on our skill. So it's equal parts, a journey around the world to meet some of these incredible people and developing our skills as scuba divers. So we are Scuba School International's first ever brand ambassadors, and they are a dive agency that um, helps with education and and furthering your careers in, in scuba And so they are the ones training us throughout the the whole expedition. So by the time 2025 hits, I think we'll be in a much different place than we are now. But the goal is both personal and professional uh, to to elevate ourselves as much as those um, in the field that we're meeting with.
0: Different place, literally and figuratively. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again today we have Andy Cross. She's the expedition lead for Edges of the Earth, this amazing conservation e- uh, effort for the oceans. I wonder, Andy, can you tell us a little bit about? I mean, the ugliness of it. Like, what are what are some of the things that you're, you're 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 highlighting? The people that are doing the work, the organizations, but the work is around ugly things, presumably. So, can you give us some samples of what you've seen already?
1: Yeah. So for us. Our spin on everything is to make sure that we tell the truth about what's happening on the front lines, but also explain the solutions and what people are doing to rectify some of the damage that's been done. But that's the position that we're in. We are going to places where the beauty is so incredible and the ocean, the the marine life is so rich, yet there's this underlying theme of, Mm -hmm. honestly, devastation every single place that we go, whether that's pollution, fishing, marine degradation, global warming, you know, all of these aspects that we hear in the news and we talk about all the time, um, it's all there, it's all happening and you see it in these remote places that we're going so much more than what you would see in other places around the world. So the places that have the least impact themselves are the ones that are feeling the deepest impact from everywhere else. And, and what I mean by that, when you go to some of these Island nations that are, are known for ocean and, and scuba and big Marine aggregation, they are on one side, beautiful in the dive sites, that's for sure. But when you start going into the thick of it and getting outside of the beautiful resorts and the mm-hmm. dive paradises, you see the truth and it's very startling. Um, There is, so much trash washing up on the shore. There's so much um, coral loss and you can feel, you can actually feel that the ocean is warm. It's hot. Mm-hmm. The the temperature of the ocean feels unnatural in some mm-hmm. of these places. Um, so much so that it's, it's quite startling. So when you look at some of the, um, some of the bleaching efforts or, or issues, or if you look at some of the um, overfishing scenarios in these places—it's—it's mm-hmm. quite startling. Yeah. We show that because it's important to see, um, but then we also show the people who are spending their entire days trying to rectify this.
0: Mm-hmm. How do well? Um, if someone wants to see some of the stories or learn more, um, how best to find you or to follow Edges of the Earth?
1: So we have a website um, that is edgesofearth.com. We are under construction at the moment, given that most of the places we're going do not have good Wi-Fi, and we uh, uh, we're capturing a lot of content both on photo, video, but then also in writing. So that is under construction and and constantly being updated. We have our social media, so that's edges of earth underscore um, across all channels. We have our individual LinkedIn for the team, but then we write with lots of publications. So. We've been writing with Oceanographic. We've been writing with Forbes Business Council. Uh, we have that partnership with SSI, and also our gear sponsor, Mares, which is um, one of the leading gear providers in, in scuba diving. Where mm-hmm. we write for their blog, so you'll see us pop up in the ocean, in the ocean world, in lots of different ways. Um, we're still working with quite. A, we're starting to work with quite a few larger partners. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll be hopefully releasing some news there, but for the most part, our, our social handles and, and our blog are the main, are the main channels for us.
0: And, and are you on TikTok?
1: We're on TikTok. We haven't posted anything yet, but it's coming. Right. Uh, what we've been doing just in each of the locations is gathering as much content as we can, really crafting what those stories are with our on-the-ground partners, mm-hmm. producing all of our assets, and then we uh, plan to have a nice release coming soon.
0: Great, right, because that's how you can scale, right? I mean, digital is so important to exactly. your story out. I wonder, are you, I don't want to wish this on you, but I'm thinking pragmatically, you're going to be in some zones of the world where maybe people aren't going to welcome you, you know, like governments or or businesses. Have you had anything like that happen or are you prepared for it?
1: So we're prepared for it. We've had it happen a few times. There, there's there been some pretty serious pushback in some of the countries and, and locations we're, we're visiting. We have workarounds, which I'll spare, I'll spare getting into. Yeah, we don't want to give your um, secrets away. <laughs> we, we'll spare that. Um, but for the most part, we're trying to go to places that really want us there um, and work with people who are really excited to have these conversations because there are, and, and to be honest with you, the, the response has been pretty incredible given that there's such a void here. So there are so many people doing amazing things um, there. We, we spend a lot of time in the vetting process. I have reached out to hundreds of people um, and some say yes and some say no. And if, if someone says no, we're, we're just not going to do it. Um, it. It's not worth it for our team and it's not worth it for uh, <laughs> the trouble it might cause. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who really need help with their storytelling. And, and that's who we focus on.
0: Yeah. And what about some of the I'm thinking of um sort of ancillary brands or, or organizations, for example, you know, Google Earth or big tech companies, are you, have they approached you? Have you approached them? Because that can help you also scale.
1: Not yet. We recognize where we're at in our exploration journey and being part of the Explorers Club has given us a lot of insight into what it takes to truly be an explorer. We're, we're new. and We're not in my mind, I, I don't want to uh, think we're onto something more than what we are in this particular moment. We are just getting started. The so all we have five people on our team now, so two of them just joined us in the last four weeks. We're we're all starting to just get the hang of things. It's mm-hmm. moving really fast, and the progress is happening quite uh, a, a lot quicker than I anticipated. So, possibly in twenty twenty four, but I think once we um, can really show some case studies of where we went, what we did, the people we met, the impact they have and then the impact we've had helping them. Uh cool. we'll, we'll be ready to take to some major brands.
0: That's very cool. Um do you uh do you have well first of all tell our audience cuz I live in New York and so I know the Explorers Club is quite a legendary organization but tell our tell our audience who that is and why it's so significant. The
1: Explorers Club is amazing. It's over a hundred years old and it's a membership group for people who have dedicated their lives in some way to contributing to human knowledge uh with regards to our natural world um, or our planet so they are explorers from all different vert- verticals whether it's land sea space you name it they're there and this institute this is an institution so the people who are in the club are highly influential they've traveled the world they've seen things that no other people on the planet have seen Um, and and they've done some really amazing discovery work. Um, There are scientists, researchers, communication experts. It's expanded quite a bit, but it's core, at the center of what it is, it's it's a research club, so a science club. So most of the people have contributed in some way to science. Um, That has been uh, a really interesting shift in their recent years, letting people like me in who have not contributed to science. Um, But it's starting to broaden and, and really accept people who are changing the way in which we perceive our natural world, which is really exciting. So we were very excited when we got in. I'd been applying for 10 years until (laughs) I got in. Um, I applied once a year, every year until 2017, they let me in and I was thrilled. Um, So I'm here in Hong Kong. I'm I'm meant to meet with Michael Barth, who is the um, president and uh, chapter chair of the Hong Kong Explorers Club. He and I have been working quite closely together on his new venture called Voyager, which is V O I I J E R, and that is an app that's releasing. Uh, it, it's already out and live. If, if you want to check it out, but fully with all the features, releasing in the next couple of weeks um, to make exploration uh, easier to cool. um access and bringing more people into the the world of explore, uh,
0: exploration. Very cool. I love that perseverance. It's it's true. If at first you don't succeed, try try again. I have two final questions. I'm mindful of the time. And um, first one is about um, what can the average person do to be part of the solution? And then last part, uh, your pearls of wisdom, things you've gleaned through life about having a purpose-driven career or life. So first of all, what what can the average person do around making healthier oceans or helping to conserve our oceans?
1: Uh, I, this is probably the biggest question we get. Uh, we are asked constantly, what can I do as a single person? There's nothing I can do. And I want to give an example Um, of Marine Conservation Philippines. This is a um, nonprofit is based in Negros Oriental Philippines, which is a very remote part of the world. We were just there. Their founder, Sorin, single single person, uh, moved from his home to Philippines because he went on a vacation there for a couple months and fell in love. And what he as a single person has been able to do in this Tiny little part of the world. is so extraordinary. It, it's fascinating what one person's desire can lead to. So, someone like Soren with Marine Conservation Philippines is a really good example of you can upheave your entire life and go do something really meaningful for the planet. He's off it where he brings volunteers from all over the world to contribute to science, um, citizen science, uh, and leveraging scuba diving as the tool to help people better understand what's happening with our natural world. People can come for two weeks, two months, two years if they want and volunteer and spend their time contributing to creating marine protected areas or beach cleanups or, um, you know, really looking into the fishing problems, however they want to direct their focus. There's so many projects marine conservation is helping running. Thorin has created this. He works with local governments. He works with indigenous people. He works with um, local leaders. He works with schools and academia to create this ecosystem of opportunity where he's bringing as many people as he can um, in his small corner of the world into ocean. So that's one way. You can't your whole life. You can do something great. One person can start a movement. That's possible. On the other hand, if you're a New Yorker, like me, as I was, it's really just starting to engage in the conversation first and foremost. It's starting to think about the way in which you travel. Um, we call it uh, conscious exploration. You can go to some of these amazing places, and instead of spending your vacation lying on a beach, or exploring a city, you could start thinking about ways in which you're contributing to local nonprofits there or meeting with local communities where you spend your tourism dollars, and um, maybe not stay at the big resort and mm-hmm. stay at a, you know, really nice um, homestay or um, lo- locally run operation. And I know you're probably thinking, I am not doing this. Right we, yes, are, we are in this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a screenback. Yeah. It's not a back, but we are in the center of Hong Kong. So and um, we, we really focused quite a bit when we're in the remote locations to make sure that we're really uh, locally focused, whether it's using local currency or eating local foods, um, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah.
0: And, and even in New York, yeah. we can just think about, you know, what are you eating? Like, do you have to eat tuna exactly. or do you want to eat more um, vegetarian or at least don't waste food, right? Top three contributors think- to climate change.
1: I think that's exactly it. How we consume, how we shop, how we all of these things are adding up and if we make these small tweaks, even the smallest one turning off your lights or turning off your air conditioning, all of these things add up. So when we're thinking what can I do? I'm not a part of this problem. We're all part of the problem. All of us can do better. We've learned on this expedition how much it takes to just power our computers when we're in these remote parts of the world and we Plug into a generator and think that our world is so important that we have to be connected right now. And it takes a lot. Uh it, it's pretty startling to see. So these tiny little tweaks can go such a long way. And then if you feel so compelled, everyone has an incredible skill uh, that they have to offer, whether that's in the trades or um, in corporates or wh- wherever that's focused. Mm-hmm. How can you start applying that work effort to um, some of the things that really matter, which uh, largely stem back to our planet and protecting people's livelihoods. So it's definitely not a shift for everybody uh, to make that huge leap or or even to start focusing like that. That's not a necessity, but it's certainly quite helpful because no longer is ocean conservation or or planetary protection um, just for the scientists. It's for everyone. And that's something that we're seeing even in with huge institutions letting other people into their um into their orbit that that aren't in the science realm.
0: And then what about your pearls of wisdom? Any uh,
1: pearls of wisdom? Yes.
0: Yeah. Learn. Um, I love that you started, at, that you've come full circle in terms of that interpol you had as a young kid, and then going through life, not even connecting with it. And all of a sudden, boom, here you are. It sounds so beautiful.
1: Thank you. I will say a, a lot of people ask me, Am I, obs- am I upset that I, I didn't do this sooner? And the answer is absolutely not whatever path you take, whatever the journey looks like, you, you have to own those moments for what they were. I had an amazing time yeah. building a career in New York. I, I look back on that with the fondest of memories and it, I would not be doing what I'm doing now if it weren't for that training from some of the greatest marketers on the planet. So mm-hmm. I feel really fortunate to have grown up in New York. I feel really fortunate to not actually pursue a dream of swimming and scuba diving because what that has shown me is you can go from absolutely nothing to something if you put in the work. I was having a conversation with someone last night saying, for me, it all comes down to the motivation and drive. And when you feel burnt out, what does that mean? Why is that happening? Taking those mental breaks or disconnecting or going off the grid, whatever you have to do to find that spark again, to keep you going in in moments of uh, big change or or Mm -hmm. life of people. And then being okay with being the novice. So as a 35-year-old, recognizing that I have such a far way to come. And even when I was, you know, reaching 30 realizing I actually didn't know how to swim a lap in a pool. You have to just be okay saying, I don't know how to do this and I need help and I want the help and finding people who are willing to support you in that way and listening to them. Really, really listening. If they say you're doing something right, just accept it and and go and don't let the ego get in the way um, because the minute ego steps in, you're 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 not gonna have the same experience. And I guess I highly recommend with from the bottom of my heart, step outside of the comfort zone of what you know, if that's a metropolis or a big city or even suburbia or even a rural community and you want to go see something completely different, do it because it will open your eyes to other ways of living and perhaps you can pull from the greatest hits the places mm-hmm. that you visited to create the life you've always wanted. And maybe you don't need as much as you thought because the natural world around you can do a lot to make you happy um, and it's all for free.
0: Such words of inspiration and I really value them. I I try myself to try and have less and coach other people to have less because if you can reverse engineer, you realize how free you are of worry on so many things and that you can share things more. So it's a variation on that. Andy Cross, the expedition lead of Edges of the Earth, this amazing global two-year adventure an expedition to save our oceans. Thank you so much for joining us on The Caring Economy and best of luck in Hong Kong when the masoon is over.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: You'll come back in year two.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Thank you for listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at TUsnick or LinkedIn at Toby Usnick. And thank you for sharing the caring economy with your friends and colleagues.